Talking Sooner football with Eric Bailey, Tulsa World beat writer. I'm Garen Emig. In for Eli Letterman, Oklahoma's uh, co-beat writer. I'm the columnist who uh, used to do this show with Eric. I miss you, man. It's good, to, <laughs> Welcome it's good back. to be back yeah. on the air with you. Oh, old, old times, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is something that we do every week. We appreciate you uh, listening or viewing if, you, if you're taking us in video form. You can download our podcast uh, every week if you're into the Sooners, OSU, or what Bill Hasten and I have to say, uh, courtesy of Google, Apple, and Spotify. We appreciate your uh, your attention. We have a lot to get to, Eric, starting with a, uh, a performance in Lincoln. Well, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about last week or this. This is a pretty compelling week with Brent Venables reuniting with his alma mater and his old mentor, uh, Bill Snyder, even though Bill's no longer on the K-State sideline. That's a storyline. Uh, the Wildcats are coming off a weird loss to Tulane. What intrigues you more, this game or OU's uh, complete uh, complimentary football, as Venables would say, performance in Lincoln? You know, I, I think really looking back before we go forward, I was really, you know, impressed with how Oklahoma was really able to just make that a one-sided game. Uh, and uh, you wondered going into the road game, even before fall camp started, this was the game everyone circled. Okay, we'll learn a lot about Oklahoma in this game. Now, that being said, I, I didn't realize Nebraska was as down as they are. You know, we, we saw it on TV, but to see it in person and, and just see Oklahoma bigger, faster, stronger uh, by a wide margin across the board, it, it was really a lopsided game. But that being said, Oklahoma did face a little adversity, being down 7 nothing early, was able to come back and score 49 unanswered points. So uh, before moving forward, I, just a quick look back at that game, just so impressed with how they played in all three phases. You're right. Uh, Brent Vittables mentioned that. All three phases were on fire on Saturday. It was um... – Encouraging to see the offense perform well when Dylan Gabriel didn't have his A game. I mean, he had moments that were, were that were sharp. The touchdown pass to Jaleel Farouk comes to mind immediately, the 25-yarder there to, to really help build that, that first-half tidal wave. But for them to still put up 49 points without Gabriel, even in he himself after the game said he missed on things he, he wishes he hadn't, uh, that bodes well. Now, there are going to be those who say, well, that's because Nebraska doesn't know how to tackle. And that might that might be part of the problem. But if you're looking this looking at this from an OU uh, perspective, that uh, that bodes well, I would think. I think so. And, you know, out of the three games, this was Dale and Gabriel's roughest game. And they win 49 to 7 up in or 49 to 14 up in Lincoln. And you're right. He missed a few things. I mean, the, the, the long pass to Jello Farouk comes to mind that could end up in a touchdown. He missed an early screen pass that it was blocked perfectly. I think it was the third series. Everything was set up for a long gain and he missed on a screen pass. Uh, there were just some little misses that uh, you didn't see in week one and week two. But fortunately, if you're an Oklahoma fan, it didn't impact the game. But those are things that you know, as this conference season uh, starts up, they're really going to have to hit on and they're going to take advantage of the opportunities. And I think the good news, too, if you're Oklahoma and if you're Brent Venables, is that Dylan Gabriel realizes it. He knows what he did wrong. He knows what he can fix. And uh, he's going to try to get done uh, against Kansas State on Saturday. Defensively, the again, the big plays were there. The splash plays, I think, is what the, what the, what the kids call them today. Uh, TFLs and sacks. Uh, the front the defensive line was particularly disruptive. I, I want to ask you something, Eric. Is I, I think what fans are doing, uh, they're seizing all the numbers that, that are happening under Brent Venables that maybe weren't under Alex Grinch in the previous regime. And they're saying, aha, he has, in fact, fixed 
what was what was broken with regard to again big difference making plays. Are we ready to go? Are, are you are you ready to go there yet? Or again, is that more reflective of the fact that they they've seen opponents they should do that too? And we'll see, in fact, if if things have been repaired moving forward once we get into the better quarterbacks and better offenses in the Big 12 Conference. Where are you on that? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're seeing a, just an aggressive nature defensively. And uh, I, I, I kind of put Deshaun White on the spot this week when we were talking to him after practice. I, you know, I just asked for a little comparison between last year and this year. And he, the first thing he said is, I don't like to compare things, which I understood. It's a tough question. But then he turned around and said, we're more aggressive this year. So I think, and I think that's just noticeable. That's easily noticeable to fans. And that's something that uh, has been impressive. That's led to the TFLs and the sacks. And uh, something else the defensive players were talking about was the three-man front that they showed up in Nebraska that, you know, it was a, just a different game plan, a different game style where they were able to bring blitzes from different areas. And the players are relishing in the fact of being playmakers. Uh, Woody Washington said, he, he there was only one or two corner blitz calls last year just and he never got to blitz and he's already blitzed this year and he loves the the playbook coming off the off the corner so I mean when you make it fun for the players it almost is the result of uh, you know being really disciplined in what you're doing defensively and compound that with the players having fun and you're getting yeah. what you're seeing uh but you're right that being said the, the the schedule does not get any easier in the next couple of weeks with uh Kansas State TCU and Texas so we'll uh we'll see how they can continue to see if they can carry this momentum well if Kansas State doesn't play any better offensively than it did against Tulane last week and losing in Manhattan then perhaps the Sooners can expect uh, another party uh at Owen Field Saturday night this comes down to stopping Deuce Vaughn, doesn't it? I mean, Adrian Martinez sort of is who he is. He's, he, he's not, I don't think he's going to go out and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. That's just not who he is as a quarterback. It's not who Chris Kleiman is as a head coach. But Vaughn is still there. Uh, they still have some uh, some pretty good guys on the perimeter. Martinez is capable. He, he outplayed Spencer Rattler, if I'm not mistaken, in the game a year ago. Yeah. In, in Norman, that Nebraska made much closer than, than everyone thought it, it would. So this is this sort of an, it's an interesting setup uh, for Oklahoma's defense Saturday night. I think so. I think we're going to see it, probably the most physical team that they've faced all season. Uh, and I think that's going to be the challenge is they're going to have to match that physicality. And uh, those players know who Deuce Vaughn is. I mean, they know who, I mean, you talk about Adrian Martinez. Yeah, they played against him when he was Nebraska's quarterback last year. But I think everyone in the league and you know, should around the country should know who Deuce Vaughn is. And, you know, stopping 22 is going to be the most important thing for Oklahoma uh, this, this Saturday. So I, I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. And, you know, Oklahoma, they, they're, they're playing so well offensively. They've only given up three touchdowns in three games. And I think two of those touchdowns came against reserves. So, I, you know, they, they've been really stingy on defense. And that's the key. I mean, in years past, you'd see high scoring games. We're just not seeing those shootout scores so far. And again, it's it, like we keep saying, it's early. It's only been three games. But I think this is going to be a litmus test, uh, you know, especially with the run game, with what Deuce is able to do for K-State. The, uh, the story yesterday at the press conference with Brent Venables was as much focused on Venable's past at Kansas State. He, uh, it's, it's been 24 years since he left the nest up there. And yet it, it's still interesting to hear him talk about his connection to the program and his loyalty. And that's a word that came up yesterday to Bill Snyder. Now, again, Kleiman's the coach, now Snyder isn't. But 
I think that's the connection between Venables and Snyder continues to be uh, at the forefront every time uh, uh, the Sooners play uh, the Wildcats, or at least it was, it was even after Brent left to go to Clemson with Bob and Mike Stoop still on staff at OU. Now they're gone, but Brent's back. And so it, Snyder sort of reappears right into the, into the narrative. And Eric, one of the endearing things about Brent is he, he, it's, he's willing to sort of peel back on, on how he feels about things. Um, he, he did it the previous week when he shocked us by, by having to gather himself talking about the 2000 and 2001 OU Nebraska game, Nebraska games and how he just wasn't in any kind of mental shape to appreciate uh, just how special OU's win was in 2000 or special the rivalry was. Well, here he is now still very appreciative of Bill Snyder. And uh, I thought it was really cool that uh, he, he even told a few stories or used a few analogies to sort of uh, express that sentiment at the presser yesterday. You know, I thought your column when you explained that was in Wednesday's paper, when you explained how tough it was at that Alamo Bowl in 98 for him to go tell Bill Snyder he was going to Oklahoma and, uh, you know, just how he left the room in tears. I mean, it, loyalty means so much to, to Bill Snyder. It means so much to Brent Venables and it was tough. Uh, and it, it, he was going to get the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. That's like he would have been a young defensive coordinator at Kansas State, but followed Bob in 99. And I think that it shows you how smart he was, too, because he was mature enough to realize he needed to, to grow as a defensive mm -hmm. coach. And coming to Oklahoma, it allowed him to really grow. You look at the blueprint in hindsight, it was perfect going to Oklahoma after Kansas State and not staying at K-State. With all due respect to Coach Snyder at K-State, just to, to really uh, grow a lot as a, as a coach. I think that yeah. was – I thought that was interesting, too, but – uh, yeah, it's, it's gosh, there's so many storylines coming in this game. We knew there would be, you know, you're looking at a Salina, a walk on at Salina and what, what he was able to do to make the team and how much he loved playing for the Wildcats. And now he's going back as a head coach and coaching coach Snyder. I thought the, the, the best story was coach Snyder saying that he got, or Brent saying him and coach Snyder were texting each other after the mm -hmm. Nebraska win. And coach Snyder said, well, you got three, go get four. And then a little bit later, he texted back, but not this week. And <laughs> I think Coach Snyder saw the schedule. So I, I, it just tells you how much they're still in touch. Yeah. And you think about it, going back to Brent and, and his, just his evolution as a coach, he's worked for Bob Stoops, he's worked for Dabo Sweeney, he's worked for Bill Snyder. That's yeah. a crazy tree when you think about it. Just all the years of experience and coaches, three Hall of Fame coaches, it really has set the tone for where Brent is right now. Yeah, I had the pleasure of speaking to Coach Snyder Monday morning about Brent, and has it's always been this underlying, and I don't want to call it tension, but curiosity maybe about why he why Brent never made it back to K State. You know, all the all the years he he was here under Bob, and then at Clemson under Dabo, and you you know uh, in 05, remember Snyder retired for the first time, and uh, the the Wildcats turned to Ron Prince. Of all coaches, and I remember Venables being I was an OU beat writer along with uh, John Hoover at the time, and I remember we were all ready to track the Venables to K State storyline, and it, it just never really materialized. I he didn't even interview uh, with uh, with the athletic director Tim Weiser at the time, and um, so there's always been the well, what is there is there hostility? Is there resentment? Is there is there tension between Brent and the alma mater over how he left? at the end of that 98 season, when everyone thought he'd stay and become uh, Snyder's uh, right-hand man, his lieutenant. And I, 
if there was, everyone's doing a pretty good job of covering it up. I, I, you don't detect it from Venables. And in talking to, to Coach Snyder Monday morning, Eric, he, he had nothing but but really flowery things to say about his, his former assistant and player. You know, it's going to be tough. And, you know, Coach Venables has coached against Coach Snyder as assistant coach. This is the first time as a head coach. And uh, like, you know, everyone's probably happy. I think Coach, uh, Coach Snyder's happy and Coach Venable's happy that this, that this game isn't in Manhattan. It's in Norman. And, uh, you know, and, and Coach Venable said that when he gets on the field, he just sees an opponent. He doesn't see the, the name on the uniform. Right. He wants to make sure they win. But you have to wonder if it's just going to be just different seeing that those uh, white, and, white and purple jerseys across the, the sideline as a head coach and you're making calls to beat your alma mater. I'm just going to be curious to see how that plays out. It's a storyline we're definitely going to watch. But mm -hmm. once again, it, it's football. And uh, it, 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 it's really neat when you, again, going back to Brent and, and his relationship with Coach uh, Snyder, so many adjectives were, were thrown out there, just glowing about how much Coach Snyder, uh, Coach Snyder means to Brent. And I thought that was interesting, too. And it got to be a little sentimental. And, and it was a good thing, though, too. I think it was good for, for Brent to really let the public know how he feels. Yeah, I asked Venables, when it was my question, I asked Venables to reach back to that, that moment in 98 when he decided to leave uh, K-State. Your question was about Bedlam. And uh, <laughs> here, we, here we go again, man. Here, <laughs> here we go again. Our, our good friend Brett McMurphy uh, stirred up a hornet's nest yesterday morning <laughs> with, with, the, with the report that had quotes from Joe Castiglione and Chad Weiberg about, about essentially you know, digging Bedlam's grave. This is something that we've all sensed since so you jumped to the SEC or decided to eventually jump to the SEC over a year ago. Everyone has, has done nothing but, but confirmed that it doesn't look good. The, the rivalry, doesn't, the future of it doesn't look promising, especially from OSU's angle. Mike Gundy made that very clear at Big 12 Media Days in July when he all but pronounced it, pronounced it dead. And then uh, Brett's national report just got the topic uh, brought back to the forefront. And I thought it was interesting when you asked Brent Venables for his opinion uh, that he, he gave sort of a Brent Venables-like answer and the fact that he was he was in the cocoon, right? He was... Yeah. yeah. Last to know. He said, I haven't heard that. I'm last to know. And, you know, heck, I'm just looking, looking at this game. But he did, He you know, he's been a part of in-state rivalries as a player. He was in the Sunflower State rivalry. Is it Sunflower Showdown? What's it, what's it called? Sunflower Showdown. Officially. Yeah, yeah. Kansas Pretty one-sided showdown when it comes to football, <laughs> I'm afraid. Player, player and a coach. He's been in that one. He's been at OU. He's been at OU, uh, OSU Bedlam. I think he's uh, nine and three when he was assistant coach at Oklahoma. And so he's played and he's coached in a lot of these Bedlam games already. And then he, even at Clemson at, with South Carolina, they play every year. That's a big in-state rivalry as well. So he's been a part of in-state and, you know, he kind of shied away from really giving a stance on, you know, should this game be played? But he did say right. he's a traditionalist. He said he loves the rivalries. He loves these games. So I, that was his main answer. I mean, he, it was something that's always these traditional rivalries mean a lot to him. Yeah. But uh, but the funny thing is, like you said, when this story broke, uh, uh, Brett did have quotes from both ADs basically, uh, you know, patting the grave down, tamping the dirt on the grave for this series. So it really, it just, it was crazy how it stirred up everyone's emotions, both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans. Mike Gundy was pretty animated after his, his practice yesterday, too. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's something that uh, we, it looks like we need to relish these 
Right now, the last three scheduled games there are, I mean, will it be less than three? We'll see. But um, it's going to be weird uh, not having Bedlam on the schedule when that happens, Garen. That's going to be so strange. Yeah, there's probably another hour of discussion we need to have about that topic, but we'll, we'll save it for, how about we try to save it for Bedlam Week? And we can probably do a podcast every day of the week with all this all this stuff that's been kicked up uh, in the last year. All right, I, I want, before we finish, I, I wanted to ask you about another off the field issue that uh, you hit Joe Castiglione with when you saw him at the OU Board of Regents meeting a few days ago that, that you presented to readers this week, and that is scheduling, non-conference scheduling, as it relates to the, the decision to uh, cancel uh, the OU Georgia non-conference home and home. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting to hear not just Joe's response to that and, and future non-conferences, but his doubling down uh, with you on OU's commitment to stay in the Big 12 through the grant of rights through 2025, when we're all suspecting that there's just no way they're going to run it that deep into the contract. For now, anyway, Joe C. continues to stand by it. You know, if you just read the headline from last week when it said Georgia, SEC directs Oklahoma not to play against Georgia and Tennessee, you just read the headline, you think, oh, man, that means Oklahoma's uh, jumping in the league early. Yeah. And it goes beyond that. This was just because the return games would be when Oklahoma, after 25, when Oklahoma was a conference member. But I asked Joe, we were just joking. I said, I bet you heard a lot of uh, conspiracy theories after that came out. And he started laughing. And he said, you know what? I have I, I haven't heard a lot. I've heard some I can't even talk about because they're so outlandish. So he, he really got hit hard with that. But he said, he, he, that's the first thing he reiterated. You know, nothing changes. Oklahoma doesn't plan to join the SEC till 2025. Uh, interesting enough, he did say, you know, the Big 12 has not reached out, but they're willing to, you know, to go to discuss if they, if they reached out, the, there will be some discussions too. And yeah. another thing is Brady Orbeck, the new commissioner, he has not made an appointment to come to OU and, uh, you know, he's visiting all these schools and, uh, I asked Joe, uh, has, has there been any invite or have they reached out? And Joe just kind of shook his head and just didn't answer just kind of indicated nope no like nope it, it hasn't yeah nothing's happened so that's interesting too so uh, it, it, when we look at the schedule and the non-conference schedule uh what's going to be strange is you know they got SMU for 2023 they're still looking for a 2024 opponent they want to get some kind of marquee opponent the original plan was to celebrate uh, the field, Owen Field, oh, it's the 100th anniversary in the 2023 season. They wanted a marquee opponent to play in the, in the on the field. Okay, this is strange. On the field that year, which was going to be Georgia. Okay, right. so now it's SMU. So now the celebration is going to turn to 2024 when the stadium turns 100 years old. The field turned, the field turned 100 in 2023. The stadium turns 100 in 2024. So they're looking for that. They're going to change the celebration back a year. So, <laughs> I know. I know. I, I kind of laughed at that when I was told Come that. On, man. To. I mean, yeah. So um, the, the goal is to find, you know, a name opponent in 2024 to play in Norman, which is going to be kind of hard. Because everyone's on these, you know, we're just two years out from that. It's going to be hard to find an opponent. But you got to look at the realignment across the board, the Pac-12, and, and how these schools are shuffling around. There may be some opponents in schools in Oklahoma's boat where they can't, you know, kind of give return trips. And there might be some opponents out there floating around. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, interesting, really, something I didn't get in the story was the Army trip. 
that okay. was canceled in 2020. I did ask Joe about the army trip and uh, they're still trying to work logistically. They're trying to work that out. They're trying to, they still want to go up there. They still want to play a game up in army because they owe army a game. Right. It's just with everything with conference realignment, not knowing how many conference games they're going to have once they join the SEC, uh, they, they still haven't had a chance to really pick a year that would work for Oklahoma and army, but that's still, that hasn't been forgotten. I remember everyone was looking forward to that game in 2020. Yes, when yeah, that was a game sure. that was going to be a marquee game. And for years, Oklahoma fans were looking forward to that game. So that's still, that hasn't been forgotten. It's just one of those things where they have to wait and see what's going to play out. Okay. Well, that's good to hear because that's, yeah, that that's, that's a game that deserved to be played. Uh, no, no doubt about it. And the whole, and, you know, Castiglione is the type who, I'm saying this with all the stuff going on about Bedlam, so I've got to be I've got to be careful as to how, how far out I go here. But generally speaking, Joe is in tune to tradition and with all of the classic uh, Bud Wilkinson era OU Army games that were played. You, you'd like to have a to have a nod to that tradition, if nothing else, and and not just have the uh, the Black Knights come to Norman, but to go to uh, West Point. Um, yeah, couldn't exactly. happen because of COVID. Um, well, you were talking real quick before we shut down. Wheels turning in my head. You, he wants to have a marquee game non-conference in 24? He would like to, yeah. But it is going to be hard, again, because everyone's schedules are made so far in advance. Right. Uh, you never know. There might be some puzzling, some puzzle pieces moving yeah. around because of uh, USC and UCLA going to the Pac-12, or yeah. the Big Ten, excuse me, in 2024. That could alter some schedules, too. So you never know. Maybe he just calls USC. It could be our marquee. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be delicious? Would that not be the best thing ever? Here was here's what I was thinking, Eric. How about I how about OU actually leaves a year ahead of schedule and is in the SEC by 2024 when the month when the contract, I think that's what is that when the C yeah, I think that's when the ESPN contract kicks in with uh, the SEC. So okay, so they get there with ESPN's help. They get there in 24. All of a sudden, guess who's a non-conference opponent in 2024? Oklahoma State. <laughs> could we not solve? Could we not solve the world's problems by having OSU come to Norman as the commemorative opponent to celebrate 100 years of Gaylord, whatever the Gaylord Family Memorial State? How about that? I'm what sure you OSU fans would love to accommodate Oklahoma. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking about how they. How, yeah, that maybe. we need you to be our hundredth year opponent. And by the way, we're in this league now, so this is just a yeah. So, yeah. So, but no, I love the thought, though. I, I do. I love the thought. I oh, love my gosh. And the wheels are turning. What a time to what a time to be writing about college football, man. Every week's just a carnival, is it not? Is, it really is every week not just, you know, a mad, 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 mad. mad. You ever see the movie, the old movie with John? Yeah. yeah. Every week is just insanity uh, anymore. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try to get we'll try to keep it together long enough to give you coverage of the game Saturday night at Owen Field. Uh, the Cowboys and the Cowboys. Now, see, now I'm now I'm off track. The Sooners and the Wildcats kick off at seven o'clock. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, we're not sure about our tag team partner, Eli Letterman, out of pocket this week to take care of some stuff. Uh, we hope to have him on board. If not, you and I, we've done this before together. We can we can oh, yeah. manage. And we'll uh, we'll ask everyone to devour what we write in the next day's uh, Sunday print edition. If you don't want to wait that long, we'll have all sorts of material online that night from Norman. Uh, you can check us out at TulsaWorld.com, of course. And if you don't get enough of the stories and columns that we put out uh, every week, then you can always catch the weekly podcast 
that that we perform. And uh, you can do that again via Google, Apple, and Spotify. It's good to see you again. Hey, you too, Garen. You too. It's a lot of fun. Have a good week, folks. Uh, we will be back in touch soon.